Let me um, introduce you to Amy. Um, Amy is a Christian, and she has a pretty decent life. But she struggles with acceptance and feeling accepted. So she's got a good group of friends in church, and she's popular with the girls in her netball team. But often Amy finds it really difficult being around other people. So she's convinced at church that the people only like her there because they have to and because they're nice and, you know, you kind of have to like people at church. And in netball, she's kind of up and down like a yo-yo with how she feels. When she's played well, she's, she, you know, she's buzzing, she's confident, she's, she's feeling good. But then she has a, an off game and she thinks, oh, they just think I'm a waste of space and I think they wish I wasn't here. It'd be better if I wasn't here. See, Amy has, um, a complex relationship with her parents as well. Her parents were good. They always provided for her physical needs and looked after her. But she felt like she had to kind of earn attention from them. And they only ever really praised her when she did stuff well. And so she, like, at school, she'd get like nine out of ten or something in, in, in a test. And they'd be like, what happened to the other, the other point? Well, why do you leave that out there? So Amy now lives and dies each day by the acceptance of others. And when she feels she's got their acceptance, she's, she's high as a kite when people approve her and she feels really good and, and confident. And then when she feels like she doesn't have others' acceptance, she's down in the dumps and spirals into depression. Now this all plays out in her head. It's not often kind of talked about or, or, or no one else often really knows what's going on. And Amy kind of assumes that she knows what other people think. And what she often does is she projects her own most negative thoughts about herself and assumes that's what others think about her. And she becomes very, very sensitive to what others do and say. Now, she's a Christian, so in theory she knows that God loves her and God accepts her. But to be honest, it just doesn't feel very real. And so she can't get away from this nagging thought that she's let God down. And she kind of thinks of God as this kind of harsh teacher just waiting for her to make a mistake or slip up or make another error or whatever else. And so this has all been kind of building up. Lately, it's been really affecting her mental health. She can't sleep. She doesn't feel she can rest. She's not eating well. She doesn't have any peace. Now, Amy comes to you as a friend and she opens up to you about this. First time she's spoken to anyone. What do you say? My guess is a lot of us start to say, oh, Amy, you're great. People really, people really like you in church. You're really good at netball as well. Uh, you know, I'm sure they really like you there. Uh, you're a good friend. And we'll say things like that. And, and they're nice things. And they may well be true things. And in some ways, they may be helpful. But I guess those kind of things aren't really going to sort Amy's problem, are they? They're not really going to go to where the problem is because it's deeper. What I want us to think about today is what the cross of Christ, Jesus' death on the cross, what different does that make for Amy? So our big word today is, is a real big one. It's, a, it's 200 times in the New Testament. And you've probably heard it lots of times. My guess is that often we don't really know. We've probably never thought about what it means, many of us. Um, and it's this word, justification. Here's the the title for his talk today. I can't find acceptance. Jesus is my justification. I wonder if you've ever actually thought, what does justification mean? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Here you go. This is definition of justification. It is God's free and unconditional decision. That means God freely chooses, and it isn't dependent on other things. It's not dependent on us. It's unconditional to accept morally unacceptable people. Get that? To accept morally unacceptable people and declare us blameless and innocent. Receive through faith in Jesus' death. Some people remember, and, and it can be helpful like this, justification is just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. And that's got a, a ring of truth about it. But listen, it's more than that. It's more than just forgiveness for our wrongs. It's being told by God that we are in the right. It's as if we have done good all the time. That's what justification is. And the language comes from the courtroom. Picture, picture the court with God as the judge. And we're in the dock before this judge and we know we're guilty. And we're, we're, we're expecting and waiting his judgment to be handed down. And we're nervous because we know we'll be found guilty. And this good and perfect judge hands out his verdict over us and our life. And he says, not guilty. Not guilty. Not because we are acceptable in ourselves. That's the incredible thing. It's that God equips the guilty. Did you see in our reading in Romans 5, we're going to be looking at it more on page 1132, it says that Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So listen, if you're a Christian, you are accepted by God. You are declared acceptable to him. That is true for every Christian. Absolutely. And, and Amy, she's a Christian, so that's true for her. And you see, what Amy needs to do is she needs to believe that what God says, what God says about her and her life, is the truer and the better and the greater thing than what other people say and think. You see, the fact that she is accepted by God once and for all, she is justified. Well, that frees her from constantly being in fear of not being accepted by others. Romans 5 is helpful because it explains how Jesus is Amy's and our justification. And it explains two massive differences that makes in her life. So Jesus is our justification. Look there at verse 1 with me. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. And verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood. Do you see, getting justified is something that has happened in the past. It has happened. We have been. It's something that happens in the past, and it's a one-time event. It's not going to happen in the future. It's not that it might happen if you're good enough. No, it has happened, and it's done. It's finished. Listen, this, this is the crazy truth about Christianity. The Christian life starts with this. It starts with a declaration from God that you are acceptable. That's where the Christian life starts. It happens in an instant. See, often we think if we try hard enough, we might get acceptance from God at the end of our life. 
And that's what so much religion teaches, but that is not Christianity. No, it starts with God's acceptance of us. And by his grace, at the end, we also have his acceptance. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. But justification is the fact that we start, we get given this new status by God of being acceptable to him. It comes from the outside of us. It's like... um, some of you will really be able to relate to this. Those of you who kind of come here as refugees and you're seeking status here and you're seeking that declaration that you can stay in and you have this new status. It's like that with God. We get this new status. Accepted. Justified. And then once we have it, it is a constant of the Christian life. It's something that stays the same. It doesn't change. It doesn't go up and down. You don't fall in and out of being accepted by God. That's why in verse 9, Paul says, he, the emphasis is on the now, since we have now been justified. Yes, it happened in the past, but it's a current and ongoing reality. So we are put in the place of God's acceptance as a Christian, and we never, ever leave that place. You see, what we do is we get confused, because there's this thing where, where there's this process of inner change that happens to us as Christians where our hearts are changed over time to become more like God's. God brings us to new life in our hearts, and then he transforms us to be like Jesus. The, the Bible has some big words for that. It's regeneration and sanctification. It's what we're looking at in the Real Change course at the moment. It's about how we change, how our hearts change over time, how we become more like Jesus in everyday life. Now that process of change, that does go up and down. Sometimes we're making lots of progress. Sometimes we're not making as much progress. Sometimes that's a bit in and out. That can be hard spiritually, can't it? Sometimes it's going good. Sometimes not so good. You see, you can become more holy. God can change me more. By my, change my heart more so I become more holy. But you can never, ever become more justified. You can become more holy, but you can never become more justified. All the time that we're going through that change process, good or bad, up or down, in season or out of season, we are fully justified. We are fully accepted by God. In fact, that whole process of change stands on the fact that we're accepted by God. So first we are justified, and then God actually changes us and changes our hearts and our lives. It is the acceptance of God that empowers and enables the change in our life. It's like we leave the court. We've just heard the judge say not guilty. And we live as free people, full of gratitude and joy. We have been set free. You know, going to court is a scary business, right? You're uncertain as you go there. It's possibly the place that you're going to get found out. It's possibly the place you're going to be declared guilty. That is a scary thing. Except when the judge declares you not guilty, it becomes the place of your liberation. It becomes the place of your freedom. And that freedom is the basis on which we go and live differently. So listen, we, we, we must not get confused when we think about this. That 
our lack of change or the mistakes that you've made in your life this week, the sins that we've confessed to God already this morning in our hearts, that God's done with you, that you're not acceptable to him, that you're not justified anymore. No. We are justified. We have now been justified today. We are accepted by God. And you say, how is that even possible? Has God like just totally let his standards go? Accepting the unacceptable. Well, no, it is because we are, uh, we are justified by and in Jesus. He is our justification. And we see, do you see that in both verses 1 and 9? That is our faith in Jesus in verse 1, and it is his blood in verse 9 that makes us acceptable to God. See, the reason we can't lose this new status of being acceptable to God and being in with him is because we never earned it in the first place. We never got it ourselves. It was a gift to us. We receive it. It's not something we earn or achieve. We, we, we receive it. You could look down at verses 16 and 17 on that same page of chapter 5, and Paul there describes it as a gift to us. God's given us this gift. And the gift is Jesus' righteousness. That's his, that's his perfect obedience to God, his perfect moral perfection given to you. How's that given? It's given by his blood shed on the cross. See, the blood that was shed for our wrongs and the blood that cleanses us makes us perfect. See, the cross of Christ is essential to our acceptance by God, to our justification. At the cross, we are declared not guilty. At the cross, we are gifted Jesus' righteousness. We are acceptable to God. Do you know why? Because Jesus was declared guilty. Because Jesus was condemned by God, the Bible says, as he took our sin. That's why the cross of Christ is at the heart of our justification, of our acceptance to God. That's what it means for Jesus to be our justification. But the question for Amy, and maybe the question you might be asking, which is a good one, is, so what difference does that make? What difference does that actually make to life? That's what we're trying to see as we look at the cross of Christ this series. And, and, and there's two things. His Here's the first one that we see in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Since we have been justified through faith, we see that we have peace with God and we have favor with God. Right here, right now, today. Peace and favor. And that comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this idea of peace with God, it's not just like the end of hostility. It's not like, it's not just that you and God were at war with one another and, 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 and there's been some kind of ceasefire worked out. It's that now you're part of God's family. It's this all-encompassing vision of peace and blessing and wholeness and well-being. And it's this, it's this experience of this, this objective reality, this external thing that you are now at peace with God and that brings inner peace in our soul. 
So for acceptance junkies like Amy, isn't it true, and I'm sure you can relate to this experience, that you're never at peace. When you're always looking for acceptance from other people, your relationships are filled with this tension and this nervous energy. Probably don't talk about it, but it's this really tiring place to be where you're kind of always trying to get approval of other people and, and really on edge about it and trying to work out, am I in or out with them at the moment? And trying to hide stuff so that people like me and you never relax or truly be yourself. Always putting on a front. Well, no, we have peace with God. It's not like that with God. We're accepted, we're at peace. So we can breathe, rest a moment. We're accepted through faith in Jesus Christ. And so this unconditional acceptance of God brings a kind of stability to a person, brings a kind of peace to their soul. They can just transform all our other relationships. A security and a calmness where we're not living for the approval of others all the time because we have all of the approval that we ultimately need. And so we're freed from this drive to perfectionism that we always have to be the perfect person so that others like us. We always have to impress somebody or perform or whatever else. There's this inner peace because we've got peace with God. Also, we are in God's favor right here, right now. See that in verse 2, Paul writing to Christians says that we stand in this grace, this grace in which we now stand. Have you ever been in one of those massive like drenched showers with the massive kind of shower heads where the water just kind of totally covers you? It's not just kind of a drip, it's just everywhere. Or you've been in a waterfall and just the water is just cascading down. You can't escape it. Well, that's what it's like to, to, to be in the place of God's grace, his undeserved kindness and his favor. It's just drenching down on your whole life. You cannot escape his grace and his favor. It's just pouring down over you. Relentless. Paul is saying, as a Christian, that's the place that you stand. If you like, it's your address, it's your postcode, it's where you live. God's grace. If you're justified, you now stand in God's grace. And that means this. That means God can only, can only be good to you. He can only be good to you. He can do you no harm. Now, do you really believe that? God can only be good to me. He can do me no harm because I stand in his grace. Because if you're anything like me, you're thinking of your life at the moment. You're thinking of your circumstances. You're thinking of that suffering in your life, the hardships. You're thinking, I don't ever do believe that. Has God punished me in some way? Has he turned against me? Has he just drawn back from me? How is this me standing in his grace? Listen, we are standing in his grace. He can only do us good can't be faithless to those that he has justified. He can't. So what we need to do is we need to fight. We need to fight to see how the circumstances of our life are God's grace to us, even our sufferings. And, and verses 3 to 5 help us in that. 
help us to start to, to work that through. Because Paul writes that we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, our sufferings growing in us, something that we don't get any other way. And that culminates in hope. And the growth of hope, which does not put us to shame and does not disappoint us. Because we've got God's love in our hearts through the Spirit. So even our sufferings, even the difficult things, are God's grace to us pouring out over our life. And that leads us to the second thing that Romans 5 shows us about the difference this makes. See it there in verse 9? Since we have now been justified by his blood. Paul goes on to say basically this, that you can be confident and full of hope about your future. So you've got, in the present, you've got peace with God and his favor. And in the future, you've got confidence and hope. You see, the really, like, the really corrosive thing about being an acceptance junkie like Amy is that you're always craving the acceptance of others. Yeah? And you're always looking for, nervously looking for signs that you have it. Even when you do have it, what are you doing? You're worried you're going to lose it. It's not going to last long. I'm only as good as my last performance. Uh, I'm only as good as my recent progress. What if I slip or, or mess up or, or make a, a, a wrong step or something and it's gone? See, the future is so uncertain. We're just full of lots of worries about the future. It's crippling. Well, Paul says, verse 9, we've been justified by Jesus' blood. Since that, we've got a, few, a confidence in our future, a certain hope as we look forward. There's no need to fear. In actual fact, he says, um, since we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's future judgment? That's God's wrath. You see, the verdict has been handed down over your life. The, your innocence is declared. So there is no fear for you in judgment, in God's final act of judgment. When he deals with and punishes all wrongdoing, your future acceptance by God is guaranteed. Remember, that's not on you. That's because of Jesus' gift of his righteousness to you. But again, it gives us a confidence. And so the Christian can be confident in God's future judgment because the verdict has already been declared over our life. Paul goes on in verse 10 to explain how he can be so confident. For if, he writes, while we were reconciled, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Paul says, if the death of Jesus took us from being God's enemies to being his friends, his sons and daughters, if that's what his death achieved, you want to wait and see what his life is going to do. How much more is the salvation that comes in his life? If his death broke us an eternal peace between the living God and the creatures who have turned away from him. How much more powerful and great and brilliant is his risen life and the final salvation that it brings? 
I mean, we sing and we think rightly about the cross of Christ and the death of Christ a lot, don't we? And yet we can look forward to the things that have not yet been experienced or seen or revealed, which far surpass what we know and experience now. See, this is the confidence and the hope for our future, and it is rooted in what Jesus has already done in the past. But that's what his death has done. You know that, you've experienced that, you've seen that. Well, how much more? What is coming is going to be brilliant and beautiful and awesome. You see, Amy's life of seeking acceptance and not finding it is one of fear and worry. But this security she has in her future in being accepted by God and knowing that she'll be finally accepted by God, it frees her. And so that final day of judgment is not a day where she is finally found out. It's not a day where she needs to be fearful, nervous, and on edge. No, it's a day where she will be finally and completely liberated, freed into the fullness of resurrection, life of Jesus. If you're a Christian, same for you too. Do not need to fear God in his judgment. It becomes the day of our final and full liberation. So this is a good and a certain promise for the future. I reckon for someone like Amy, and for us and our similar situations, it just helps us to like chill a little bit. It becomes a little bit less important how good a netball player someone thinks she is, right? When you've got that kind of acceptance by God over all of your life for eternity. Suddenly what people think of you in the office, or on the street, or at Park Life this afternoon starts to matter just that little bit less. You see, finally... We see what Jesus bringing peace in the present and hope for the future does to us all. It's there in the end of verse 2 and also verse 11. Paul says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You see, this boasting is a different kind of inner energy than the anxiety and the worry and the fear that so often drives us when we're seeking acceptance for others and we're concerned about what our status is before others. Now, Paul says this gives us something to shout about, something to sing about, something to be filled with joy in, something to have hope in and peace and contentment. So we can stop our search for acceptance because we have it. And when you find yourself craving the acceptance and approval of others again, you can remind yourself you already have it in God. You don't ultimately need it from others. And you can know that that is a constant of life now, rooted in what Jesus has done in the past, and guaranteeing for you a beautiful and a wonderful future.